2: Hey, welcome back to the Out of Spec podcast. I am Jordan Schieffer with Out of Spec. We have Kyle Connor, of course, and we have special guest Matt Teske. He's with Chargeway. And today is a special episode with a special guest in the industry that we're going to talk about um, kind of what Matt does, but also some of the overarching things with EVs, road trips, issues with those who don't have home charging, and we might even debate a meme strategy used by Ford. So uh, let's jump right in, shall we? Um, Matt, do you want to give us a quick synopsis of just what you do? Very brief, high-level view?
0: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, very high-level. So yeah, Matt Teske, I'm the founder of Chargeway. And Chargeway is basically we simplify using electricity as a fuel type. So through our software and through our mobile app and various ways you can use it, we show plug types using simple colors and shapes and power levels using simple numbers. That way people can really visualize and navigate how to use charging for their particular car and stations that will match their car and how those power levels will impact their wait time
3: nice it's a cool idea that i've used in practice so you know matt you and i've known each other for years we've talked about tons of different things in the ev world and finally we're getting to do it in uh live you have to forgive me for some of the echo we're just in a different space today and uh, no sound deadening installed so
0: you're not calling in from the metaverse or something or is that right
3: (laughs) (laughs) yeah so so i apologize for my audio quality i can barely hear myself thinking here uh, but this will improve with time um Matt, you and I came on this show, or I I sort of said, let's do this show because on Twitter, Ford, and let's just get this out of the way because I want to go through this. This is funny. (laughs) Ford uh, changed or I guess tried an EV strategy. I don't know if it was from their marketing side or their PR side or who came up with it, but essentially it was uh, memes making fun of people for not understanding how electric cars work in a sense. And it almost was, I think a little bit, uh, humorous in their intention. I personally loved it. I thought it was just like hilarious. Like you need a car to go 600 miles of range, huh? And they're just like crying or whatever it was. (laughs) And so, you know, on one hand I look at it from someone who understands EVs. My goal is to just share the current status of where they are. And I thought, Hey, that they're, they're stirring the pot. That's all, you know, it's sparking conversation. But, um, I know so many people have totally disagreed with my viewpoint on this and including you and I see your side. but let's
0: hear your side of this. Well, I, again, from a marketing tactic, like getting people to talk, it, it worked. It got people talking. So I, I appreciate that approach and I appreciate the you know the marketing element of it. I think the, the thing that it, the way it struck me, frankly, was it felt like someone at a marketing agency or someone in Ford's marketing team, Looked at memes and said, Hey, when Elon shares a meme, it gets like a quarter of a million times. Let's do nine of them. And that's just how it felt because it just, it was very out of left field. And also contextually, for what they were trying to convey about, you know, EV myths or debunking things or how you should be thinking about it, it just felt very patronizing to people that aren't in the world of EVs to me. And that wasn't just my feeling, it was a lot of the comments they received from people on that thread were people saying that. And it just struck me as, as kind of one of those things where they saw another company doing something through their social media and tried to emulate it without understanding that the reason why, in my opinion, Elon can get away with doing that is because his product ecosystem actually does work very well. So he can get away with doing kind of quirky, comical stuff. Ford's not there yet. No, no other OEM is there yet. And so I felt like this was just kind of, kind of they had the best of intentions, but it was not well thought out strategically, in my opinion.
3: Yeah. And I think that's, I, I get that. I see that. I, you know, I don't view it from that angle, but I think it's okay to, to disagree. I I, look at the end of the day. um, I think you and I can both agree. There's more Ford could have done to highlight EVs and to educate uh, out of this situation. So at the end of the day, there's room on the table for OEMs big ones, such as Ford GM uh, to share with their audience, their followers, their um, sort of, uh, people that are interacting with their brands, how electric cars work. And I guess mm-hmm. in your opinion, how would you, how would you have changed that? How, how would you have presented, Hey, we want to get people sparked up about EVs got to get to be a little edgy, but also I think factoring in some of the creativity, um, and, and also the usefulness that, that you bring to the table with your knowledge.
0: Well, yeah, I, I, I mean, as again, I've been in automotive marketing for twenty years, and so I think what I've we've we've spoken with through ChargeWay, we've met with basically every single major OEM, and we've met with their teams, whether it's the EV teams or their marketing teams that are working with those EV teams, and very often it strikes us that there's still a lack of a fundamental lack of understanding about the ownership experience, about how to use an EV and they're still figuring their footing out both from what does that look like, how you explain it, and also how does it match with their brand and their voice, and that's what they're all trying to figure out. So I, I respect and understand that, but I, I think that they could, could, they should have done a better job of saying, look, we still need to address this from a practical perspective, and we can get into the cute, fun, creative stuff. Now, you can blend those things together as well, sure, no problem, but I, it just struck me that it was very just, like cute for cute sake. And there were still plenty of questions that were going to come out of these memes. It's not as simple as just saying like, Oh, you don't need a car that goes 600 miles. People haven't like had to think about that detail in the way of, I have to be confined because they haven't had to feel they were confined because of gasoline. And so it just struck me that they just still fundamentally don't understand what they're trying to convey. And I think that's where, again, from Charger's perspective, it's like, look, just cut to the chase on simplifying the hard part. And then you can still be fun. That's totally possible. But to just phone it in on saying, let's be just try to be fun and emulate something else without fundamentally understanding what you do have to help people understand, that's just how it struck me. And I think that it just isn't, it it got people talking for 24 hours, but it's not gonna actually help people understand Ford's EVs at all. So, yeah,
3: I, I get that, and I think you're right on the money with your assessment of uh, especially just answering questions. It didn't do that, it was just yeah. making fun of people, which you know I thought was pretty funny. Uh, but you know, not, not the most useful, mean uh tweet. But I guess it is interesting though, because um, you know, Chargeway has such a significant place, and especially can have the potential to have even more of a significant place in the marketplace. Uh, can you? I guess, explain to our audience who may not know much about it, where you fit in and then where they would be able to use your service. Because I have rolled up to a charger before a green, you know, number two, for example, and I've plugged in and charged cars and said, oh, that was awesome. That was, I didn't have to think CCS or j one seven seven two. I just knew the color. I knew the power level plugged in simple, but it only works with mass adoption in my opinion. So can you explain how that all
0: works? Well, yeah, again, the easiest thing that I think that we could do to help OEMs like Ford and others is just at the end of the day, they don't they don't have to explain things like gasoline because they just use the word regular. Right. And they've leveraged that from the fossil fuel industry forever. And that's that's worked very well for them. And so I think that the way that we can help them translate the product they don't make is by bringing into the conversation an, an introductory way of understanding. it. The best conversation I've had recently about this is, again, explaining charging is complicated. We all know that. And it's, it's, it's all based on math. And we all, those who know the details, we know that too. And so I I told someone recently, I said, look, it's just like how we went through math in school. We didn't immediately go and do trigonometry and calculus. We went through algebra one and algebra two, and then went through these various forms of mathematics to understand. And some people could go further. Some people couldn't, but most people can do basic arithmetic. (laughs) And so for all these complicated features that are in charging, I think the way that Chargeway can help, especially OEMs from a messaging perspective, is really to say, look, your car is going to shine because of the great things you've done being an automaker. But how you help make people comfortable using this new fuel type relies on you making it feel approachable. They they might fall in love with the Mach-E. They might fall in love with the F-150 Lightning. But if they don't trust it as a car that they can rely on the same way they have every other car because of the fuel conversation then there's only so many of those Fords they're going to sell, as an example. Again, other OEMs are obviously facing the same challenge. So they could leverage Chargeway in their, whether it's the messaging they have on their website about their vehicles or even in-vehicle, to convey an entry-level discussion. Don't worry about the complexities. Just find a green dot on the map, and this number on the map is going to tell you how long you have to sit and wait. And we can calculate that based on the vehicle data, based on the charger data. And that's what Chargeway does holistically and agnostically for any brand. So they could leverage that to bring people into that conversation, and then those people who want to know the details will find out that green means J1772 and CCS, that level seven means you know 201 kilowatts and higher. They'll figure that out, but because it's such a moving target, you need to bring them into the conversation in a way that's not going to scare them to death, and that's really all we're trying to do, and it's all based on the engineering anyway. So I think that's the opportunity where we can work with a lot of these OEMs from a messaging perspective for product. It could then lead them into having better conversations about the creative advertising and marketing they want to do.
3: Yeah. I totally agree with this idea because at the end of the day, you know, we get super nerdy about things and then I'm so sorry, Jordan, maybe you can just do a little bit with Matt about what Chargeway is, how it works, how a user would find the stations, the numbers. I just have to run for a quick half a second introduction. I'm so sorry.
2: Yeah. Yeah. No, that's right. Um, So yeah, Matt, I guess on that note, I feel like a uh, increasing important thing that hopefully happens soon is more people just experiencing them day to day. Mm-hmm. Um, because we, yeah, I so I personally found these memes pretty funny. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, that's partially a generational thing of just meme culture is so huge right now and has been for, I guess, at least a decade, which is I love, I
0: love memes. Yeah. I just like good memes.
2: <laughs> yeah. Um, and so it, I, I like that the, at least the nine they shared, most of them were pretty great like really good. And they highlight some important things to point out. Like I love poking holes in people's perceptions or just think like a thought they have that it may be unfounded, but it's hearsay from someone else. Mm -hmm. Um, And so especially with the advent of like, I know phone like cell phones used to last days on a charge or even weeks in some cases, like way back early Nokia and stuff. Mm -hmm. And then when it became apparent that it was like a day that stressed people out and now people don't think about it. If they people are like happy if they get a day with their phone, a lot of people are charging their phone throughout the day, including Kyle. Um, He's just really (laughs) bad at charging it overnight. So it is funny to. I guess mentioned that like most people who do have these arguments are actually the ones who do have home charging and they are usually the ones who are driving 20, 30, even 100 miles a day max mm-hmm. when most of these cars can do 200 plus. Yeah. Um, so it's it's fun to converse with them and figure out why they think what they think. where that's coming from because right now electric cars they've been around for over a decade but it's still so much hearsay and someone will have a bad experience and just tell everyone you know the other side's true too people will have a great experience with their electric car and tell everyone Mm -hmm. but usually what sticks is the bad experience oh yeah almost reaffirms it's like an echo chamber of someone's concerns um so how what does i guess what do you see as a um, proponent for addressing the concerns for those who do have um, valid concerns about home charging. Like if you can't really charge at home very easily.
0: Well, I've, again, this all comes down to the, the way we frame it and in the conversations we have with partners that we work with in the industry or people we meet with is that we have to just break it down to something simple that everybody can understand. Number one is fuel awareness is still not there. People still fundamentally connect gasoline to cars. So if you are saying this car is an electric car, the people that do understand that means the gas is gone because that's not even fundamentally universal. Uh, I mean, this, Ford did its own study in 2019 when they asked people, how do you fill up an electric car? And over 40% of people said with gasoline. Toyota did a study recently where they said, okay, does a, does an electric car have a gas engine? and 63% of people said yes if i recall the number correctly it's it, but it was way too high and what we're finding is that just get it down to something basic people don't have fuel awareness as a choice we've used the phrase alternative fuels for decades and people don't like the idea of an alternative they like the idea of normal and so you this then this then leads to a marketing firm doing a study and saying oh we should do a campaign called normal now and and i frankly look at that campaign and i think Yeah, but if you have to say something is normal, people immediately then think this is abnormal. (laughs) So I I think that it it really comes down to messaging and communication in a lot of ways. And starting at the top level, the highest level you can get to, it's people need to fundamentally understand that they have a fuel choice beyond gasoline. And they have to know that going into the next car buying experience they have. That's just baseline. If you try to catch them through their process of buying a car to educate them on home charging, they're immediately going to already think this is already abnormal. But if they go into the car buying experience going, you know what, I've been seeing a lot of information that's very easy for me to sense of it's highly visible, it's, it's I can do it at home, I can do it away from home. This new fuel is everywhere. Give them at least that sense. Then you can get into the details of, oh, you don't have a home with a garage or a driveway, you street park and you rent an apartment. Well, let's visualize that new fuel for you in the way that makes sense for you, which more than likely will either be A, workplace charging, if that's an option, or B, fast chargers that are around the area where they live and how do those different fast chargers then work? Because not every fast charger is a quote DC fast charger that is the same. So to me, it's, it's a, it's a sequential step-by-step process of communication is awareness with awareness. You then get into the detail of how do you help them understand what this new thing is in a way that they can visualize it simply because the biggest issue to date, in my opinion, is electric fuel as a product is still fundamentally unknown. It's effectively invisible because there's no signage. And the notion that we're going to make everybody go into a digital realm to understand it is difficult, especially if it's complicated. So, yeah, that's, I mean, so that's sequentially my thoughts on how you can step into that to get people to then understand how to visualize it.
3: But Matt, there is a massive problem when the customer shows up at the dealership and the dealership is like, we have been selling combustion cars forever. I've never had to tell anyone how to use the fuel pump. Yeah what what in the world like how do you even begin to educate the dealership side of things because that's the point of sale that's where it's the make it or break it moment between someone driving away in a Tiguan or an ID4 for yeah. example
0: well that's that's what we've been working on with our utility programs around the United States so we've partnered with utilities that are all engaging on this conversation because they are now a fuel provider whether that is at home where you're filling it up or whether they're providing that fuel to networks that are helping you fill up away from home. And so those programs are helping us introduce Chargeway as a tool dealers can use in their showroom through the Chargeway Beacon. It's a 43-inch touchscreen kiosk that people can engage with based on the brand of dealership they're at. And it visualizes how those vehicles in that showroom work. And we can then use that platform to educate and train dealers in advance. And we're not sitting them down for a two-hour session of learning about engineering. We're literally saying at a Volkswagen dealer, for example, the ID4 goes to green stations, higher number, faster charging. Let's look at the map. And then they can say, wow, I can repeat that to a customer and then visualize it for them and have credibility on how this actually works. They can then explain levels one and two for home charging compared to levels three and higher for fast charging away from home. It's a way to visualize and understand the basic breakdown of what you need to do. So our platform can be integrated into... Anywhere, So we've got the mobile app. We've got our retail kiosks, which we call the beacon in showrooms around the US. We have a web platform that can be integrated directly into dealership websites, which we're deploying currently. And we have a new partnership and relationship as an affinity provider with the National Auto Dealers Association to provide a lot of these services directly to those showrooms. So to your point, the education is not about cars. It's about how do you explain this new fuel type in a way that the dealers can say, I can explain colors and numbers because I play Uno with my kid. I mean, that's that's really what we need the dealers to have at their disposal. And that's what Charger is all about.
3: Yeah, it's super simple. I've used these kiosks before. We actually have a whole video on this kiosk mm-hmm. on our Out of Spec Motoring channel. And I was really blown away with the experience in speaking with some of the dealership staff that had this kiosk there. It was like, they're like, yeah, we didn't have to learn anything. It's super simple. They're like, where do you charge? I walk over, I show them. And then that that's like a non-conversation versus the, oh, uh, eh, I'm not really <laughs> sure. Uh, you know, so you just well, let me show you a go. meme instead, right? No. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so I think, you know, having these visual tools inside of dealers will really help because at the end of the day, while some automakers may prefer not to have dealership partners, uh, they need them legally. Like you just can't get rid of dealers. It's yeah. not possible if these companies wish to survive in our market, um, they, they need to have physical dealer spaces. Now there's some alternative things like Polestar has mm-hmm. done, um, which is still technically a dealer, but then a lot more control on the OE side. But at the end of the day, um, yeah, people are there to sell cars, not to necessarily be super passionate or knowledgeable on their product. They're transactional helpers, more or less. And occasionally, you find a great salesperson, and occasionally, you don't. Uh, but having a physical tool in showroom that you can walk people over, or even the web portal, is yeah. a great, uh, you know, sort of barrier remover, if you will. Um, but can we get a little bit nerdier, Matt? Because you know, oh, most yeah. of our audience, of course, gets gets super nerdy. Can we talk about charging station reliability and mm-hmm. the differences between a site owner and a site operator and then a utility provider can you break down the different levels of how dc charging works
0: Yeah it's it's complicated on the on behind the curtain for sure and that's certainly leading to complications on the user end as well So a, a good example is so there's certain networks that exist there by brand name that that to an average driver they're going to see them as all the same as just a network. But for example, there are networks like ChargePoint. They will sell their hardware and software to an owner, a, a station owner. That could be a mall, it could be a business, it could be a you know a hotel. And effectively, the customer to ChargePoint is really fundamentally that business. And they say, hey, look. We've given you everything you need to then provide charging access to drivers. And there you go. And a driver will then say, okay, but I pulled up and this charger is broken or there's something not wired correctly or I don't know what, it's not working. The problem is that model hands off the, the fueling experience to this other company, the mall or the, or the hotel, and they've got day jobs. And so that can be very complicating. You then at the same time have networks that do manage their own chargers, such as Electrify America and EVgo as, as two good examples, where they actually do own and operate their own chargers. So they have more skin in the game to keep them up and running, essentially, because their business model is based on making sure that they truly are, as opposed, and for driver's sake, as opposed to saying, well, ChargePoint's model is more so we have a subscription from companies that buy our stuff from us. It's really not about people filling up. And so that's really complicating for average people, and especially for automakers, too, for how do you help drivers navigate that chaos? it's It's not clear. And amidst all of that, to your point, there's the utility uh, the utility element where they are the fuel provider with electricity, but they're not really operating their own networks just yet. They will license that from a third party vendor such as a charge point or maybe even you know Electrify America or others. They will then brand it as their utility, as a charger from the utility, but then in the background, it's all being operated by Electrify America or ChargePoint or GreenLots as another example. So this is something that we look at in Chargeway too, where it's how do we help people understand who they actually need to rely on at that location? And so even if it is a branded utility charger, for example, we will list the 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 provider of the hardware and software as the customer service provider. Because if you pull up at a charging station, it's got the utility branding on it and it's having an issue, you're not calling the utility. You're, you're supposed to call whoever is managing the hardware and software. So this is part of the issue where it's, it's just this cornucopia of different options that drivers at face value, they just see a brand on it and they go, well, that's the brand that's providing me this service. Just if they went to a Shell station, it's Shell. Or if it's Texaco, it's Texaco
3: yeah we we noticed this recently. We had a, a friend of ours run out of charge actually by no fault of anyone except the charging networks um, you know with his Tesla and so he we were out in the mountains and we were driving around and so one of the roads were closed. So we went over to a level two station just to top up a little bit charge point unit. and um, you know at the end of the day, the charger was locked because for whatever reason the company that was paying the service provider or the the host, Uh, I guess their checks weren't being received by ChargePoint. Basically, the station went offline and it's a functional charger. It just wouldn't provide electricity because something that happened between the host and then the station provider got mixed up. And well, at the end of the day... There's a functional charger there that just had some back end issues. The car was dead right next to it. We had to tow charge him. We hooked up oh, a tow wow. rope and dragged him down the road because we were in the middle of the mountains. There's nothing else out here. Like a tow truck could take a day to get out to where we were. And so, um, you know, the, these types of, of problems and backend situations are, you know, a little bit inside baseball. It's something that your average consumer won't really have to fully understand or know. But really, um, it is important to understand how the complicated mess behind the wall could be. Because if it seems complicated at face value, then even behind, you know, there is. So oh, yeah. Matt, what do you think is like the most reliable combination for DC charging?
0: I I mean it's and what's funny is I'm gonna say <laughs> I'm gonna have to catch myself saying this because I think it's the most reliable, but it still has issues, right? Um, it's any network that is managing their own hardware. I mean they they have to take ownership in that because The more passed, every time the buck gets passed on to a new customer that's supposed to maintain or watch it or let us know if there's a problem, it just turns into just a stranded asset. And and this is so I think the best networks are the ones that are saying, look, our logo's on there and we manage and monitor these things. If a driver lets us know there's a problem, we actually do note that and we do send one of our technicians out to take care of it as fast as we can. Now at the same time, those networks they still need to do a better job of that without question because they're also mixing hardware and software options at different station sites that isn't universal. And so if it potentially is causing them issues for maintenance. Um, so I, I mean, it's, there's no one, I mean, Tesla, like they have proven they have the most reliable system, namely because it's, you know, it's a, it's a walled garden. It only works for their cars. It's, it's, there's no screens. There's no swiping or credit card. It just communicates via software and the software is very good. And so I think that they've proven the best way to do it, but the only unfortunate thing of it is, is you can't have, you know, multiple networks by brand then. That's just not going to that's not going to work for consumers. Right.
3: Yeah. So. And then we also get onto the topic of what connector type should we use? Because right now there's three main ones. There's obviously in your world, there's green, blue and red. But in yeah. you know general public, it's Chatmo, CCS and Tesla. And so for, for DC charging, this is. So Chattamo is really going away just because mm. Nissan's transitioning to CCS. They were like the last ones. There's the Mitsubishi Outlander plug-in hybrid, but that's like the last Chatamo vehicle sold in the U.S., I think. And
0: the fact that it has
3: fast charging is also just why. I know. We actually, <laughs> Jordan and I saw one in California at a fast charger. We were just blown away. Wow. Um, Yeah, it was wild. Even Mitsubishi
0: on the back end is like, wow, we have one that plugged into a fast charger. This is great. Exactly.
3: So uh, what what is the future of connector types look like? I know Tesla is probably right on the verge of announcing their CCS charger. We've seen them at the Charin conference with their CCS adapters, testing with all the different hardware. So we know that's happening. Um, Is CCS going to be the only standard? Will Tesla still have a place is CHAdeMO still relevant? What What do you think about connector types?
0: Yeah, I think that, I mean, Chatamo's is on the way out. I mean, we, that's been, I think once Nissan decided to walk away, I think that was the nail in the coffin for Chatmo I think that then the other issue is you have how many hundreds of thousands of vehicles on the road that still have that connector type that will still then rely on chargers that are in the wild that also still offer that connector type. So we're going to be navigating that chaos at least for another five to 10 years until we can really just get it fleshed, you know, fully fleshed out for Chatmo Uh, I think CCS is obviously the direction that everybody else is going. I, I'm not, I mean, Tesla with their adapter and what they're going to be providing here in North America, I think is going to be something that everybody will take advantage of quickly um, from a Tesla owner perspective. Um, I don't foresee that Tesla will immediately ditch their North American plug type, namely because it is honestly very elegant. And, and from a user perspective, it is far easier to use than a CCS in my opinion Um, And I've had people tell me the same thing that are non-EV owners. Um, And really, it does offer about what you need from a regular basis to use an EV functionally from how much power it can, you know, both put out. Um, The V to G conversation that comes into play for the fact that CCS is going to be offering this capability and Tesla has always kind of just punted on the conversation. So I think that's where CCS could get a foothold into being the true winner in that sense. So, but is that going to be resolved in the next five years? No. Maybe ten, possibly. Um, I just I'm I'm hard pressed to believe that Elon, with his hubris, is going to walk away from that design that all Tesla owners love. I mean, and there's now a lot of those cars on the road. So, but it, I think it's just going to come down to th- those two. But then you still have the J1772 conversation amidst that anyway, which will require also adapters down the line. So, um, I don't know. My opinion is, yeah, CCS is the winner. Uh, but Tesla's not going to go away quietly. Uh, but they will do their best to accommodate.
3: Right, and so they'll have an adapter that allows Tesla owners access to public networks if they want, probably at an extra cost. And yeah, um, yeah and that, and then it'll just be that. So I think that's probably the best solution here. In Europe, it's all CCS now for the most part. Mm-hmm. There's no Chatamo being installed at most new stations. Um, Tesla's come with CCS connectors on them for the European market, but they never had the cool US standard anyway. So it's not like they were giving
0: up on type one in their case, uh, yeah. type two. Well, I, frankly, I think CCS two is better than CCS one. I think the yes. the top the top <laughs> portion of the connector, by sake of Tesla, was leveraging it for both AC and DC charging for years, and they were able to, they were able to convert that over both from an adapter perspective for S and X owners in Europe as well as just making the charge port door on on the the three and the Y just bigger for CCS2. But even as a, as a charger, as a plug design, it's, it's just, it's even easier to use. It's almost like a gigantic version of the Tesla connector to be perfectly honest. It feels more akin to that. Well, and by Tesla connector, I mean the North American Tesla connector. So So, uh, yeah.
3: yeah, I mean the Tesla connector is just so good. I mean, we all agree. It's just the best. You just knock that thing in great communication works every time. And and CCS is well on its way there. But again, not to keep plugging Chargeway for everything, even though you're here, it is cool that you can go into the Chargeway app and then see
0: reviews of each station to know if, like, maybe you should skip that one or go to something else. So that's always the review, the review element is obviously very important because you, you want to rely on drivers to give you feedback and, and we want to make sure that we're giving that opportunity to drivers. We have a report uh, feature that anytime someone sends in a damage report on a station, it automatically will be sent to the operator of that charging station for whoever the customer service network That's is. That's really cool. Yeah. So if you send a report in via chargeway for an issue, it comes to us and we will respond to that user saying, Hey, thank you. But it automatically will then send that same exact message over to customer support at, EVGO or charge point or electrify america etc
3: that's neat um one one more topic i think is important for us to touch on is uh not necessarily on the user side but more so on the installation side and that is a topic of where to put chargers you know yeah. obviously they need to be near highway locations we've seen a ton of chargers at target at walmart at shopping centers um my dad called jordan and i we were in the car yesterday and we're, he was like oh i almost like just died at this charger because <laughs> like, you know, it's like super sketchy and he's like, I, you know, it wasn't that bad, I'm sure. But you know what I mean? It's like, sometimes you get into uncomfortable situations in the back of a Walmart parking lot, even during the day, but let alone at night, um, light can help, but, um, I think my dad put on his uh, little charging thing. I think he put a thing on Twitter. He's like, don't charge here unless you're armed. Like it
0: was that <laughs> <bad>. <laughs> his, so. his, I've seen some of his videos, and again, it's it's nice to see more content like that coming out. I think frankly, the candor from owners about the safety factor is it's that's a very real thing. Um, you know, it's and I, I think that you know having a better lit location is is really important obviously services and amenities around if we're still talking about filling up a car with a fuel that's still what's happening so when you've stopped to fill up if you're on a road trip especially you want to wander in and go to the restroom or you want to grab a snack somewhere so having it buy amenities that are also 24 7 i think is important whether that's a hotel or maybe it is a convenience store so um there's a lot of factors i think that the issue that happens is behind the scenes getting permitting get everything cleared getting power run to that location there's some low-hanging fruit decisions being made about where fast chargers are being placed because of power or easier permitting so that there is a checkbox being checked of, hey, we installed this and we, our quantity went up. There were, therefore, we can tell our investors that we installed X amount of chargers or something like that. It's like, yeah, but that's not driver-focused, right? Um, and so I think that the more honest feedback from owners about, hey, no, no, this, yeah, this is here and that's fine, but it's pitch black. It's middle of the night. There's no bathrooms around. This is stupid. You know, I, I think that's important for drivers to maintain letting the industry know. Um, but we'll see. Yeah, I totally agree. I
3: remember I went to a charging station in, what did, I can't remember the name of it. It was in Missouri somewhere, like Jasper. It was something like oh, that old hotel? The one where it's like. Yeah, the hotel. <laughs>
0: oh, that was sketch, it was, bro.
3: <laughs> it was probably nice when they installed it. And then the yeah. hotel went out of business and Tesla still had superchargers there. Yeah. And, it, it's you have to like go into this gate, and there's like people living out of their cars all around, and it's just so nasty. And then it's yeah. like, not to say that I love van life, but you know, that's like not nice van life. Right. And, uh, <laughs> and then you're like stuck there for 30 minutes because there's no other chargers, and you're just like, you gotta like bear it
0: out. So, and after hours, is the parking lot even lit? I mean, it looks like a zombie. No, movie. it
3: was there was no light. It was yeah, crazy.
0: That one location is, I mean, I, I'm Tesla, I'm sure, has heard plenty about this too. Yeah, and yeah. there's other options that. that interchange where they could look at other options. But again, this is like, what do we want to place this at? Uh, let's put it at a hotel. There's restrooms 24 seven. It's lit. There's other people there. Yeah, they and- didn't know
3: that it was going out of business when they put the chargers in. It just happened to, but yeah. then it's a huge, you know, uh thing for charging companies. This is one of the risks that they run that the business goes down. And so that's yeah. why, you know, we've seen electrify America partner with Walmart and target because these are huge, well-established companies that have yeah. proven to hold their locations for a long time. Um, yeah. Personally, I think Target ones are are some of my favorite. I really like the mm-hmm. Target ones because I don't know why, but it just seems like nicer people shop at Target. And then you put the chargers there and it's, it's
0: kind of nice. It's <laughs> kind of funny. But again, it's, it's very real though, right? It's it's, it's like, who, who are the clientele that are shopping at certain locations? And I think that, that you have to think about that for what your drivers will encounter. But again, we have to then ask ourselves, what are these charging networks worried about when it comes to who their customer is? Is it the driver or is it no, whoever bought our services from us, was that a utility? Was that a municipality? Did we get a grant from the government? Did we check all of our boxes to maintain our business? So I think that's the, the, the standout detail of Tesla and what they did do is they said, we're going to own the fueling experience. We will own it. And they have done that. And they have their issues. Obviously, the Joplin example is a perfect one where it's like, guys, that one should be probably shut down and moved right, or something
3: Joplin, I couldn't think of that name. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So, but but the other networks that are working on this on behalf of the industry, the automakers are leveraging this. And I think, you know, Ford with their Charger Angels program about having drivers go out and actually check this stuff out. I think that's just an it's evidence of the OEMs saying. Well, this isn't a fully owned ecosystem that helps drivers. We have to step in on some level to also provide feedback. Um, And they have enough weight and enough muscle to say, we're the automaker. So we need you. You want to be in our car's navigation? fix this shit
3: right yeah i mean at the end of the day that the charging suppliers are just vendors for automakers they could say we either do or don't want to work with you and that's a lot of money on the table it's also a big risk to an automaker because if they decide not to work with them it's not that their cars can't charge on that network it's just their their the endorsement uh, side of it yeah. yeah the recommended chargers more or less um you know it's gonna cost a lot of money to, for them to build something else out like if you're a new automaker you almost can't not work with electrify america at the moment and that's Honestly, not a bad thing because they've built out this amazing yeah. network across the country of 350 kilowatt chargers at most highway interchanges. Um, one of our guys, Ben, just bought a Taycan a small battery, road tripped it on a thousand miles, something like this. Zero issues. Plug in charge worked every time. Great experience. Um, and I guess that brings us over to the last topic I really want your feedback on because you're deeply integrated with the driver's of uh you know uh, of electric cars especially through your platform you get to see all of their data coming back to you you talk to them on a daily basis but you also know the industry needs and the behind the curtain stuff so you're this like you understand both sides of the business which most people don't to be honest mm-hmm. it's a really rare thing so what power level is correct and maybe they all are but but when someone says i want to put in some chargers mm-hmm. can you explain what level of power for each situation makes the most sense because higher the power the cost increases almost exponentially it gets really expensive
0: yeah i think i think what it really boils down to is you, you have to look at like what is the what is the use case for where that physical location is based on a driver right so in my opinion it does come down to dwell time is you know if you're on an interstate highway at a gas station yeah that should be 150 kilowatt or higher no questions asked no questions asked um if you are in a metro area and you have, let's say, a shopping mall or a movie theater or something where someone might naturally have a dwell time of an hour or two, maybe naturally. Well, then you can dwindle down into the, maybe this could be 75 to 100 kilowatt. I think 50 inevitably will go the way of the Buffalo just because it's just not truly fast enough unless there is, let's say that's Disneyland or SeaWorld or something. But then it's like, well, at that point, just put in a level two. You know, you, you do have this, again, and this is what we're trying to educate people on with Chargeway, is just like, where do those gaps exist for what your fueling experience will be with your car at the selected charger? So I think that, yeah, interstate highway, anything less than 150 kilowatt, you are setting drivers up to be disappointed. Um, and I think that over time, like something like 350 kilowatt, then we get into the conversation of 800 volt, 400 volt battery architecture, and how many brands are going to transition to 800 volt architecture immediately. And the answer is, they won't happen overnight. Um, and so I think that if if we're talking about any any placement of these chargers, I mean, we talk at dealerships all the time about should we put in a fast charger? And if we do, what should we put in? It's like, well, based on where you're located, no one's going to be road tripping and stop at your dealership. <laughs> you're more of a metro location option for a charger because you guys have Mac- like McDonald's across the street or something, right? So there's a lot of factors at play. And I think what oftentimes happens, as we th- talked about earlier, is there's power at this location. okay. Let's check the box. Just put in a fast charger, 50 kilowatt. It was the cheapest vendor we could get. Okay, project done, move it on. And it again becomes a stranded asset. And I think that that's my biggest concern.
3: Yeah, we've seen this uh, you know, in a lot of these state-led programs where the dieselgate money got allotted to each state and they said you can do what you want and charge uh, yeah, charge point like swooped in, sold all the business to most of them, and they're putting in these sixty-two and a half kilowatt chargers that really only do fifty or whatever they are. And like these CPE two hundreds are just reliable they look really nice but at the end of the day they're not providing much power and even on like an 800 volt system you're getting 80 kilowatts out of it or something like that so that's you know, the in,
0: that that element right there is interesting the 800 volt four hundred piece about that particular hardware and we're yeah. looking at how we can resolve some of this in, in our app for users is mm. because that those chargers are oftentimes marketed as 125 kilowatt chargers you'll never get that unless you're driving a tycon <laughs> but even or, then they only
3: do about 98 peak on a tycon
0: it's it, that's, that's a scary thing, right? It's just this, yeah. this squishy moving target. and yeah, But most it's, it's drivers... actually at a
3: thousand volt rated and Tycoch 800.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing is, and these are all details that people go, what are you talking about? I don't, like, I can buy that Honda and it runs on regular. I don't give a damn about all these details. And so that's the part where there's a lack of transparency for some of these conversations related to hardware that... And we have met with utilities. We have met with states who have said, oh yeah, we installed X, Y, and Z hardware and then we will explain to them how it actually is going to work for drivers and you can tell they've never heard that and that's disappointing because then you can you then realize that there was money on the table someone got sold and they had a job to do whether they were a utility or state, and they just relied on the quote experts that came into the room and unfortunately they may have been sold something that was not actually what they were buying and that's disappointing
3: yeah i totally agree and um well, look, it's basically – this is our, our introduction to charging on our podcast. And <laughs> what I really wanted to show in this episode, first of all, it's fun to banter about the, the mean thing. But really, truly, when we get down to the, the, the meat and potatoes of it, charging um, on the consumer side needs to be extremely overly simplified, just like rolling up to a gas station and saying I need – you know, regular or premium, whatever it is. And I think Chargeway is amazing at that. And in my opinion, it does a really good job of buffering a lot of the craziness behind the scenes so that drivers up front can just say, I'm not going to worry about it. Just use Chargeway and go over that way. It's not like this is a paid show. I'm just a fan of the service. So I think it's really awesome. But
0: but I appreciate Again, we've been getting a lot more feedback from a lot of journalists, a lot of people driving cars, a lot of people talking to more buyers who are saying, you know what? You guys were ahead of the game on this as Chargeway because we weren't thinking about it, but that now that we're talking to more average people, we are seeing the value of what you guys do in a big way. And so that's great to hear because we, again, yeah, we were a little bit ahead of the curve on the conversation for this problem, but it's not going to go away unless there's a breakthrough in physics tomorrow that changes everything. <laughs> So, which I'd be totally game for, because I would love to fill up with electricity in five minutes.
3: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then to make it cost effective to put it places and then to have the power to supply it. I mean, this is something that's going to only get more complicated as yeah. we see more charging stations, more service providers, more older stations becoming out of service. And so um, what I would recommend is if you have an EV or are interested in an EV, download the Chargeway app. And, uh, you know, find what stations are around you. They're laid out. You know, I always try to use, you know, my thought process is the lowest power level needed for my current situation. So I'm not clogging up the really high power ones. I'm not stressing the grid. I try and charge the slowest possible um, for my current situation. But a lot of time, that means green level seven. Like, I don't have time. Like, let me get up there and get 300 kilowatts. Yep. So uh Matt can't thank you enough for explaining your thoughts on uh, charging and the situation. I'm sure we'll do this again at maybe even a deeper level. But this is a good yep. high level overview I think.
0: Well, yeah. I I appreciate the invitation and and uh, we can talk about more memes next time too. I'm not I'm not anti meme by the way. I love memes. It's just <laughs> come on like there's ways to do it, right? But Okay. No, thanks, I, thank, yeah. I see it. No, thank you for the invitation to come on again. I and I appreciate the support you guys have for what we're doing. Again, we're just trying to make EVS easy for everybody, you know. And I think that your is your, your channel, your audience. I mean, there's gonna be more and more people that are gonna get, get introduced to this, and um, I'm glad to hear we're helping. So,
2: yeah, it's important to have these conversations, and I feel like the more we have them the more people get exposed. And sometimes I feel like we sound like a broken record, just talking over and over about the nerdy aspects, but I I can speak for Kyle. I don't think we get tired of it. We just eat this for breakfast, but like, it's good to get more and more people involved with what it looks like. And you don't, you know, with a gas car, you're not thinking about a gas, induction curve to your what? car like it's, it's great to start getting people used to the idea of different chargers can of different speeds different cars have different speeds that they can take in with different amounts of the battery pack there's so much to go into it but when you start learning it it starts becoming second nature and yep. so that's why these conversations are important and uh, that's why it's important that we have on guests like you and people who can talk about it from industry perspective and, you know, beyond just a simple end user, someone who's actually making a difference for the average EV person. So yeah, thanks again for um, joining us. And um, yeah, I wanted to plug your, your socials really quick. Um, yeah, definitely check out Mr. Exet or Teskey backwards, right? And at Chargeway, those are both of his uh, Twitter handles. And um, you'll find us at Out of Spec, me at Jordan Schieffer, and Kyle, it's Kyle Connor. And uh, yeah, thank you everyone for joining on this conversation, and we'll see you all very soon.